Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 105 of Geek Town Radio. This week I have with me... Ross! Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm right. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. If I could say at the top of the show, Dave, it's a big thing in America. I don't suppose it's so much over here. But this month is Tripod Month in America. So this is where a lot of big, big podcast, you know, companies are oh, really, yes. really promoting awareness of podcasts. Yes. So if you're listening and you really like the podcast, you should tell someone. I know yeah. it's not, it's an American thing, really, but any excuse for someone, someone new to listen. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Well, somebody did actually tweet us out. I think it was was it Colin. It was one of our regular listeners tweeted us out as sort of on a on a tripod link. So uh, it's a what's the hashtag is is T R Y Pod, isn't it? Yes. So, so tell your friends. Yes, and if you're on Twitter, tweet us out as a hashtag tripod link as well. So what have you been up to this week or since we last spoke? Uh, it's been about I've a been month. Busy. I've been busy promoting podcasts, eh? but, <laughs> um, I've been well. You, you remember last month I told you I'd watched the first sort of three of Sneaky P. Oh yeah. Well, I finished it now, and it's excellent. Good. I still really, haven't got to the end, but yes. Really, really good. Really good. Just everything about it was great. I really like the main guy, Giovanni. Uh, is it Ribisi? Ribsy. Yeah. Well, he's Ribsy. great. Um, yeah. I, I feel like someone someone asked me what it's like and I said and that what they said was I really like Fargo was there anything like Fargo which is like out of left field because it's like <laughs> I mean this I could have been talking about the Gilmore Girls this gun is it Fargo but it's not it's not not Fargo <laughs> like it, it, it feels no. like that kind of it's got that some DNA of that somewhere yeah so no, it, it does feel like that but yeah it's really great on Amazon uh, almost worth having Amazon for a month just watch it yeah i i uh i am really enjoying it i just haven't found the time to get back to it yet gotta go man it has been renewed for a second season as well so also good so yes yes. um without putting too fine a point in it 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 sets up for a second season very nicely right okay good i i will get back to that it's just there's so much stuff that's getting recorded like on a daily basis at the moment i'm i'm struggling to get back to 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 the sort of stuff that i know is going to be around for a while so (laughs) well yeah i suppose that's the beauty of things like this where you can rely on them for a bit yeah yeah speaking of which yes i've been watching a new netflix series uh, mm-hmm. called abstract now this is a bit like this is a bit peculiar for what we normally talk about okay but this is this is a, a netflix documentary series about designers and various people who design various things so um the first person was a young man who does the covers of the new yorker the second was a man who designed air jordans in the 80s and like through to now 
And the third one was a lady who does set design for operas and music, and she's done them for like Beyonce and Adele. So there's lots of really different design and creative processes there, which I thought was really interesting. That's cool. Yeah, I've I've just looked that up. I've I've added it to my list. It's really it's really again it's kind of... again it's not going anywhere. So you know, don't rush yeah. out. But it's really interesting to see if you like history and you like design and you, or you like. I mean, really, the beauty of it is that watch it if you like sports because of the Air Jordans or music. So if you're a person yeah. that likes things, it's probably <laughs> it's probably got something for you somewhere. There. Good. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's really great. Uh, I've been playing, you know what? I picked up uh, in a, a sale somewhere, Far Cry Primal, which is like a year old now. So this is super old news, but yeah. it's really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they said it was one of those games where oh, it's it's just Far Cry with a different skin and it's tried new things, but they're, it's not amazing. But I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm plugging away. It's not, like you say, it's not, it's not groundbreaking. It's not The Witcher, but it's really good and interesting mechanics. Cool. I've never been a huge fan of the Far Cry series, just mm. generally. So, yeah, I, it's probably, it may be one I'd go and look up at some point, but uh, yeah. I've, I've also been looking at picking up in a sale. Uh, they they announced uh, a few days ago that um, they were doing a new Lord of the Rings game, Shadow of War, which yes. is a sequel to Shadow of Mordor, which yeah. I've been looking at maybe picking up a game of the year or something. So if I do, I'll let you know about that. But yeah. Yes, Shadow. I know um, I played Shadow of Mordor a little bit. I didn't, I, it didn't grab me that much, but I did quite enjoy it. I know Chris, formerly of this podcast, used to mm. really enjoy it. So it, it's it may all, be it's something all, looking at. It's all more stealth games, which annoys me generally about video games. That I, everything's either a sandbox, a stealth game, or a sandbox stealth game, <laughs> right? But which actually, funnily enough, bringing me back is is a great thing about Far Cry Primal is that so often in Far Cry games you're sort of encouraged to play stealthily, and you are to an extent. But I, I don't bother with that. <laughs> <laughs> which is great because you're allowed that freedom to just run up to people and hit them over the head with a stick, which is, you know, simplification, but that's actually what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which well, is really good. They, they, uh, they also worked on that with the latest Deus Ex game as well, because that's traditionally something you yes, probably play yeah. quite stealthily, but they wanted to boof that they, they, they boosted the mechanics. If you just want to go in guns blazing, you can do. And uh, yes, it's a little more tricky, but it's entirely doable to play through it that way. It, Good to have that option. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good because I know. intend to go back to Metal Gear Solid Five. I remember if you say uh, I don't know if you remember me saying that I had a bit of trouble getting into that really. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like if I just hang the stealth, let's just do it. Let's just <laughs> shoot some men. Oh, that's that's the reason why I was thinking of that because I played the. Um, I don't know if you saw there was a beta of Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is really good. Oh, okay, yeah, that's no, a really I... good game. But if if it feels very Metal Gear Solid Five. Right. But also with a slightly Far Cry edge, I suppose, that there's this big map and there's just loads of bits to do and you liberate a little, you know, hold or whatever, a keep, effectively. Yeah. 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 I might have to go and have a look at that. I'm, yes. I'm still stuck on my Elite Dangerous addiction right now. <laughs> That's good. That's great. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm working my way up through the, the ships. I've got a uh, the, the, the Asp, which is kind of quite a good explorer ship so you can go out and find new galaxies and that sort of stuff in it um or you can stick a cabin in it and do like little runs and take passengers and that sort of stuff so i've been using that and also got myself a vulture which is a uh, basically it's a small ship with two giant guns on it so (laughs) which is great fun because you can fly out to what they call their resource extraction 
um, systems or resources. They're called we're known as res sites. So you can go go out to these areas, and they're where people go to mine. But you get pirates that come out and try to harass the miners. Sure. So you've so got you, to look after. So you go and shoot down the pirates that come out, and uh, that's a great way of earning money. And if you've got a fairly decent ship, like you know the Vulture's quite a. a powerful ship for such a small size yeah works really really well and uh yeah you can kind of go out there and, and make sort of you know two to five million in an hour you know that's great <laughs> which is which is really good fun yeah, uh, admittedly sure. some of the big ships in the game like you know are are, are just are, are like 150 million to just sure. buy so you them. need the money yeah so you need the money and that's literally just buying the ship you've then got to outfit it which could easily double the cost of it you yeah know? well that's um, good because it gives you a longer that'll give you a longer like play time then to get the good ones yeah yeah it does but those little ships uh, i mean quite often even with when people buy larger ships they'll keep some of the little ones just yeah. because the feels so different to them you know because i mean if you're flying a big ship it might turn like a barge but you've got like a massive <laughs> guns on it whereas mm. the little ships kind of you know you're you're flying in a little fighter it's far more fun so they're great fun they're really really good fun game to play that um at the moment really though i like i think many other people i'm treading water until mass effect comes out <laughs> yes yes that seems to be the uh, consensus yes so i mean mass effect officially is released uh on i think it's next thursday it's officially released but if you've got ea access Yes, yeah. They're doing something so you can get onto it earlier. I don't think that's going to be the full game. It seems to say you can play like 10 hours of it. Mm. Yeah, well, isn't that yeah, access thing anyway that you can play 10 minutes of any game? Uh, sorry, 10 hours of any game. So if that's like a little, like a chunk of the game. Right, okay. So, because um, I do have EA All Access or the Origin Access on the PC because it's mm. 20 quid for the year. So Yeah, which is great. Which yeah, is yeah, just yeah. a bargain. So, I'm so reading I've the 21st. Right, okay. Which so would be Tuesday. Uh, yeah, so Tuesday. So hopefully I'll be playing that on Thursday this week because I think they said it's the 16th when we'll get access to it and then mm. everybody else gets access and you get the full game on the 21st. You'll have to so. let, let me know either way. I'm very interested because, I mean, it's one of those things that I played this, the first one is fine. The second one was really good. Didn't play the third one, so I'm interested in what's... Because obviously it's a huge game. You know? Yeah. So I'm interested in what the consensus is. I, I suspect it will be good. It's rare Bioware gets a bad review on something. So. No, that's true. I'm also a big fan of uh, Dragon Age, so I guess yeah. can't can't lose, sort of. <laughs> yeah, well, they've said they've taken some of the stuff that they learned from Dragon Age 3 and mixed that into the whole yeah. um, Mass Effect stuff. So... Uh, that that to me is a, is a positive. And you didn't uh, go out and buy a Nintendo Switch there, Dave? No, no, I haven't. I, it's it's an awful lot of money to spend on basically one game. Yes, so. it is. It's also, yeah, a console that seems like the beta of an actual console. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, feels like a prototype of what's actually the good one <laughs> I, yeah i don't know i i've i mean i haven't bought nintendo since the wii and the wii was a great fun to i mean that's a, that's thing. a good one to get to to end on 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I haven't been back and got one. And talking to Matt a few weeks ago about this was that you know he he quite he wants one because he spends a lot of time being driven round in the back of a car because he can't drive. Yes, yeah, so, so well, I was thinking because I spend a lot of time on the bus, so there's yeah. a similar appeal in that. You know, whereas nine times out of ten, when I'm going somewhere, I'm driving myself. Of course. So, yeah. So, so I mean, you still could. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that the police might frown upon me playing don't, Nintendo don't Switch while I'm driving. <laughs> so um speaking of, of nintendo switch actually the gadget show came back this week they did an unboxing of it on on the gadget show that was kind of interesting because it's the new cast lineup for the show they've tweaked the format slightly as well craig charles is now sort of basically acting as host with the other three people being the experts sure. so whereas before it was like four experts now mm. it's sort of one host and then three experts so craig's doing like all the studio bits and then the other three are doing the kind of stuff that's filmed outside and that mm. sort of stuff that i mean it was good it's it's nice to see them doing something a little bit different with it i think it, it works quite well as a format they've added little things in like um what they're trying to do is they've recording it right up sort of the week before it goes out on air so it's really current so it's very very current which is why they're allowed to do the switch this week Mm. um but it also means that they get better audience interactions so they're getting people to tweet things into them and like they've got this thing at the moment where they've got the most powerful blender like you can buy and <laughs> they're offering to blend things that annoy people like you know, gad- <laughs> gadgets that don't work for how they should and that sort That's of stuff excellent. so they and it's this this like blender is apparently brilliant at kind of blending almost anything so they're they're uh, they're offering p- people to sort of tweet I them did. and send them their stories and then they'll they'll blend the gadget on air for them but yeah that's all shot up in birmingham as well so yeah um, yeah yeah, that reminds me uh actually of something i watched this week from last week uh the first episode of the new top gear which i know you talked about last week yeah what did you think is it series two or like series Uh, series 24 they are billing it as so new series two is what it is new series two Uh, i I really liked it actually i know the i know the uh the last one was on uh yes well yesterday for us so i'm sure you'll tell me about that but uh yeah um i really liked it actually i watched a couple of the series before but i'm not i'm not chris as i know as i know you're not i'm not a chris evans fan so I, i didn't really uh stick with it but this i might stick with i'm not into cars particularly but it was it was good it was old top gear which i remember watching at sort of 15 and yeah. uh, being really interested in i, I think it, it is working really well i think matt needs to loosen up a little bit he feels yeah. he feels a bit overly scripted when he's in the studio um mm. and, and those then, studio like, bits aren't quite working quite well but aren't, like I, you like you said last time they've gone they've gone back to that three-person dynamic and that seemed to really work yeah yeah, I think that it's works tighter, I suppose. Yeah, that works an awful lot better. The studio stuff, I, I think it still needs a little bit of work, but it, it works mm-hmm. quite nicely. I, I quite like the fact that they have the guest in for quite a large segment of the show now as well. You know, yeah. he, he comes on to do the car, but he basically stays on the couch with them, and it's the four of the the people on the couch. So they're having conversations backwards and forwards. Yeah, it's, so, it's like you, you might get less time per guest, but you get more a different, you know, they talk about the different features that they do as they go so that's a, you yeah know, you get a bit more from them yeah yeah so i i think that works quite well i i think they've they've tweaked the format enough for it to be a little bit different but still be top gear yeah. and you know and the the film pieces i think are working quite well there was a, a quite a good one this week where they took 
two supercars, or as Matt says, one supercar and uh, one Porsche 911. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they they took two these two kind of you know flashy cars and started off in Las Vegas and drove up into the the mountains because the idea was that they they'd made comments about the fact that supercars are are you know or big flashy convertibles are perfect for all seasons, sure. and uh, and they were the producers were trying to prove them wrong by making them basically <laughs> drive through all four seasons. So. Mm. Um, yeah, I've, the, I've always that was really that. good. That, I think that's a good device. The, the the sort of unseen producer type 1984 bad guy. Yeah. Like, you, you never see this isn't really a person so much as like a concept, and that's you know that's good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, the, I I think it's it's working well. It's working infinitely better than it did last year, anyway. Which is great. Which is good. Mainly not having the annoying gingerman on it. Uh, <laughs> oh, you you were saying last night uh, last week that, that in the first one there was just the three of them. There was no Sabine Schmidt or, or anybody else. Have they did they do anything in the second one or? No, no. They uh, I know they've said that. Sabine Smith and um, uh, the the other guy I can't remember his name, but they've said that they they are going to probably pop up at some point. But it, it, I mean, I I don't know when or if that is actually the mm. case. But uh, that that seemed to be the impression they were giving. I, I suspect they may pop up for one or two like special films or something, sure. which is is fine because that sort of old Top Gear used to do that as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you know, I think that's perfectly okay. I like it a lot more than I did last year's. I think it's working really well. So I'm glad that they seem to have, have found something. I don't know what the ratings have been like. That's mm. the only thing. I'd need to look at that. But certainly the general consensus seems to be it's working a lot better, which is great. The the other only other things this week, Legion... I don't know whether you've caught any of this yet. I watched the first episode. I thought it was very good. Tell me more. It's probably the strangest show ever <laughs> to be on TV. That, it's no, that's, so when, weird. When we talked about Fargo DNA, that's actually got, I think, the, the someone in the, to do with the um, visuals. Cin- yeah, the cinematographer. I cinematographer think, is, is yeah. from Fargo. Yeah, so it's such a strange show. <laughs> and... You, you're presented with certain things throughout it, but where you think they make sense and then they don't, and then yes, they do, yeah. and then you know they what? don't again. And I, I was describing it to my fiance as. Do you remember? Did you watch House? Yes. There was a. There was a. Uh, I think it was a three episode run of House where he got sh- the spoiler. He got shot. Yes. And- throughout the episode it was like he was hallucinating so you weren't sure which bits were real and which weren't and it turned out a lot of it was it's a whole thing but it was good in that way where you're like did that happen did this happen yeah. who is it? it's great yeah. yeah there is a lot of that in in this show and they do a brilliant brilliant job with it because in, in less skilled hands that could all horribly fall apart absolutely and they're, they're doing it they're, they're managing to pull it together and keep it focused so well but it it is weird and strange and you know because you're dealing with a guy who is mentally unstable and you're you're trying to sort of tell this story but you're sort of inside his head at the same time so it's things alter and you know characters change and things change and you it's it's just very odd very very strange and and kind of it's sort of get onto the roller coaster and sort of hang on (laughs) whilst it goes through this up and down of this story because it is crazy but i i love it i think it's so well put together it's only i think eight or ten episodes this first season it's a really Mm. short you know it's relatively short as as these sort of shows go but i think that's probably sensible because you can pack a lot in and you know you're not wasting any 
content yes, and, yeah. you know having to stick I filler was, episodes in because it wouldn't I work. always think I always think Marvel Netflix shows could be two or three episodes shorter and mm. they'd be great. Yes, yeah. Speaking of which, early reviews of, of Iron Fist have not yes. been great, unfortunately. Yes. I will reserve judgment until I've seen it myself. Cause, <laughs> but, but yeah, the earlier reviews have been a bit like snotty about it. So yeah, we'll have to see what um, I have to see, to see what it. it's like when, when that comes out, but uh, we're not far off. Speaking of Super, that's uh, the 16th, is that right, this Friday? Uh, yes, okay. I think so, something like that. Uh, anyway. Iron Fist, yeah, 17th. So that is Friday, yeah? Uh, oh god uh, hang on and, <laughs> 17th is, yes that is Friday yes yes and it'll all be on Netflix yes right, in one um, speaking of superheroes we went to see Logan last week oh yes what did you have think you, of it have, have you seen it Dave yes I have seen it yes it was excellent it was really really good yeah I really enjoyed it in actual fact I don't think I've, I can't remember whether I've spoken about this I may have spoken about it last week but yeah we went to see it in 4DX oh yes in Birmingham um I don't, have you yes it's i'm not entirely sure that was the right film to do it on but <laughs> that's um, a very, for 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 what is effectively a gimmick that's a very dark film to pick yeah i mean it, the, the weird thing is because they've obviously only got one cinema screen it, yeah. they, they have to rotate the films that are in it quite quickly so i think we i saw it on the last day that it was running logan and then it went on to beauty and the beast which <laughs> is like sort of falls apart but they are doing the the new fast and furious on it apparently which mm. i think might be a little bit more appropriate because you're going to have more things which are directly you know you in a car yeah. and the camera you know, going through your hair and stuff yeah so i i think i think that might work sort of those sort of action films might work a little bit better i mean it, it was it was fine and interesting and different and you know it, you get these odd smells come in and you get like wind and you get that's peculiar uh, and you get like rain and it you know it, it throws water at you it, it's it's really entertaining and worth doing if you're around and it's a film that you think will be suitable for it but yeah i mean it was fine with logan i would like to see it with something in 3d something like avatar i think would be quite interesting yes on that, definitely you know? yeah especially because avatar's got that whole sort of uh exploration of a of a strange world that there's all these different things and you know different uh, animals and stuff yeah. that's i think that would be in. or um what about uh kong skull island that might be good yes yeah i think they are doing skull island on it that as would well be a good so, one to go so that see. might be an interesting one as well but yeah it's um they're, they're based around the country now but I, I yeah i think we read out a list last week they are around the country there's one on broad street in birmingham which is the local one to us so mm. uh so yeah it's worth worth going to check out though if you've if you've not tried it yet so yeah i don't think there's anything else other than uh, designated survivor came back which is brilliant still going really really well always good to see keith sutherland on mm. screen he's always entertaining so uh, yeah that's that's back on netflix now so i'm really enjoying that but other than that i think that's been all my stuff this week so let's move on to some film and tv news <laughs> We'll start off the film and TV news this week with a few renewals because there was, for some reason, there was an absolute ton of renewals this week. Traditionally, we don't usually get all the renewals in until May, but we've they're really starting to to do some the early renewals at the moment. Uh, so first up, of uh, launch date of a show, obviously uh, Game of Thrones. For those that have been hiding under a rock, is <laughs> is back on the seventeenth of July at two a.m. and then at nine or ten p.m 
on the 18th as well on Sky Atlantic. Uh, so there's that first. Renewals, though, we've got The 100 has picked up a fifth season. Billions has picked up a third season, and it's only halfway through. On both sides of the Atlantic, it's only halfway through its second. So that's good. Uh, Riverdale has picked up a second season as well, so that goes along with all the other Belanti DC shows that have already been picked up. So he's got another one that's also been picked up. Uh, Taboo, the BBC have announced they've picked up another one of uh, that as well. Which you caught that, Dave? Any good? Um, I've caught the first couple of episodes of it and then it got lost in the sort of melee of other mm-hmm. things. I, I haven't got back to that yet, but, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was fine. It's not quite as compelling as Peaky Blinders, which is the other thing that, um, Stephen Knight's known for. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. I know there are a lot of big fans out of it, out of it there. So, you know. I will try and get back to watch the rest of that because I have got them recorded. And then a series of, of unfortunate events Netflix have renewed for a second season, which was pretty inevitable given the sure. popularity of the first one. So uh, that's also coming back. And um, one quick air date thing as well. Uh, Prison Break finally has been picked up by a UK network and it's Fox who also run it in the US so they've probably known they've had this for a while but uh, Fox (laughs) have announced that Fox UK are running it from Monday the 10th of April at 9pm. Do you ever watch the original Prison Break? I'm not sure if I was old enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember remember it being on but I wasn't sort of the age where it was something that would interest me in any way. Right, okay, yes. It was it was twins, was it twins? No, not twins, brothers. Brothers, they look very similar. Yeah, well, they, yes, both with shaved heads. But yes, they, the brothers who then went on to be in uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. They, oh, see, there you go, 2005 to 2009, so I was 11 to <laughs> 15, I think. You ridiculous child. So I'm, I'm not in, I mean, it was all, it was all Toy Story and, and Spider-Man. So <laughs> This is 15, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. Um, so Prison Break was about two brothers. One of them gets locked up and the other one goes, uh, basically tattoos himself and gets himself arrested, tattoos himself with the plans of how to escape. I see. And then they he, he goes to sort of break them out, basically, gets himself was arrested it, and then breaks the pair of them it out. Was, it was quite complicated then because that took four years to do. That was quite... No, no, they, he broke them out in the first season. Then the second oh. season was then on the run. I the see. third season... Season, I think was them being locked back up again and the fourth season I think had them working for some sort of government agency I think that's good it's good when they move along like that yeah yeah so that's now back for a new fifth season yeah. event series so we don't know whether we're getting another one after it but uh yeah I'm I'm looking forward to that coming back because it was fun and I like those guys went with Miller and Dominic Purcell good fun so so yeah those were just a few renewals and air date bits and pieces the actual news we've apparently learned that there is a Night Manager 2 script in development did you watch the Night Manager I'm assuming you you did I didn't but I'm I'm a huge Hugh Laurie fan and I was told to watch it so many times that it just escaped me and I feel very bad about that you've got Amazon though I think it's on Amazon yes I do (laughs) yes so I think it's I think it's either on Amazon or it's due to come onto Amazon Uh. So you can probably find it on there if it's not on the BBC catch-up. It's not on iPlayer anymore. I don't think it 
probably will be at this point. But uh, I think it's due on Amazon, so you can probably find it on there to watch. Worth a go. Definitely worth a go. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a really, really good series, particularly if you like Hugh Laurie. And uh, it's got Loki in it as well. So Sure. <laughs> Tom, Tom Hiddleston is in it, uh, and Olivia Colbert, who is also great. So what's interesting about this is that the original show was based off a book, and there was only one book. It's not uh. like there was a series. So whatever they come up with now is basically original work. Using, a Game of Thrones it. Well, yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, because I suppose Game of Thrones are doing that at this point, yeah. But... Um, yeah, so they're, they're kind of expanding on uh, John le Carre's original source novel and trying to write a follow-up to it. Uh, David Farr, who's the guy that did the adaptation of the first series, I don't think is involved because it said it's been written by a team of writers. So, you know, but he has sort of said, you know, there is potential to do something else, but I'm not involved with it. So That's difficult, isn't it? I mean, he, I don't know. He, he may, I, I sounds like he decided he didn't want yeah. to do do it so but it, i mean with the right writers you, you never know yeah with the right writers it could be good exactly which characters would come back whether it would be tom hiddleston again which you sort of think it would have to be because mm. he was the main He's lead the main, yeah uh, Hugh Laurie was playing the bad guy in it, so I suspect you probably wouldn't see Hugh Laurie in it. You'd probably get Olivia Colman again, I would think. Of course. Queen of British drama, Olivia Colman. Yes. Brilliant. Has to be in everything. It's a we, we can't have a British drama without Olivia, Olivia Colman. Yeah. Um, so this should point out, this is no way a done deal. The production company have released a statement called, their production company is called The Ink Factory. So The Ink Factory, BBC and AMC are in early stages of developing a potential second series of the night manager but nothing is yet definitive and we have nothing to announce so yeah i mean basically they are working on it and it would be silly not to i think because the first one was such a huge success uh so it makes sense to at least see whether you can do something i just hope they don't just do it for the sake of money which Mm. is is always the difficult thing particularly when amc are involved because amc produce some great dramas but they are they they do tend to see success and just see dollar signs straight after <laughs> that so uh they, they have to be a little bit more careful i mean you know they, but you are talking about the people that produce breaking bad or you know the network that paid for breaking bad mm. so i don't know it's, it's difficult amc can be a little prickly at times so i i don't know hopefully if it's gonna happen they'll make sure they nail it and get it right and not screw it up moving on from that we're moving into space and uh <laughs> <laughs> uh Star Trek Discovery has said hello to Jason Isaacs. Yeah, I heard about this. As Captain Lorca, apparently is the guy's name, uh, who will be in charge of the USS Discovery. But unlike previous Star Treks, isn't the lead character in the show, as Mm. I think we've mentioned a number of times before. That's Sonequa Martin-Green, who is uh, Sasha in The Walking Dead, who's playing a lieutenant commander with caveats, which we still don't know exactly what that means. But Mm. uh, she is the main character that you're going to be following with the captain being, well, the captain. But how that will work and whether, you know, he's going to be in the entire thing or whether he gets Mm. killed off at some point, I don't know. 
but yeah, Jason Isaacs, I think is a, is a good person to add on to that list. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. He's got that sort of, um, he's a, he's an authoritative looking man and he's, you know, he's very watchable. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's got that sort of, you can imagine him. Like, I, I, the, <laughs> this is a weird, like the, the I'm sure the, the, the furthest away, but in Harry Potter, he had that kind of almost a sneery quality that, that is quite, uh, I suppose, distant and quite authoritative and quite, yeah. you know, if, if he was like a hard nosed captain guy, you could see that in that, you know? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean, your other captains that we've had so far basically are Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, Archer. And out of that list, the ones that have been probably best, I would say. I mean, obviously I love Kirk, but you know, mm. out of the modern out of the modern people, Picard and Cisco, both mm. of whom were sort of very serious actors. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um I and I so I think Jason Isaac sort of fits into that role quite well. He's from that kind of background so i i think that's quite a good pick and like you say he's he has that authority to him sure. you know but he's still you know he's a he's a he's a handsome nice friendly looking man if you see pictures of him that aren't in yeah. harry potter he's yeah. a friendly looking man <laughs> yeah no i i think so he's it, a, it could it could go any which way which is yeah. great and and he might actually be able to use his own accent in this because most of the <laughs> stuff you see him in, he's having to use an American accent. Whereas with this, he'll probably be allowed to um, to use his his English. I would have thought so. Yeah, that would be quite good. So moving on to the next story, Claire Holt, who is from the originals and the Vampire Diaries, has joined a new ABC pilot, which uh, apart from the casting of Claire Holt, which is, is all fun and lovely and, you know, that's that's great. I thought the pilot sort of sounded quite interesting. It's based around the premise that after the events of 9-11, the US government sets up a secret think tank that comprises of the most creative minds in science and entertainment and that tasks them with dreaming up with making man-made disaster scenarios and possible solutions to those. Because the hypothetical ideas are deemed extremely dangerous, the list is then sealed and the program is shut down. But when a catastrophe occurs that is ripped directly from the Doomsday playbook, the team is brought back together years later to prevent the disasters of their own making. Now, I actually pointed out when I wrote this article, this is exactly the premise of the comic book Batman War Games. Because, <laughs> you know, Batman... It sounds, it, it sounds interesting, though. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think it's a great idea, but it is basically the premise for Batman War Games because Batman has a playbook of the way that he can set up a bunch of war games in motion in Gotham as a way mm -hmm. to... Cons it's slightly different because he, he sort of does it as a way to consolidate the power all under him, under his Matches Malone moniker, yes. which is his sort of... his underworld mob boss character mm. that's him in disguise. But he's never enacted it. And the girl who is a spoiler in the comic books enacts it and mm. without understanding that Matches is also the Batman. So <laughs> she enacts it and then of course Matches doesn't show up to the meeting he's supposed to be at and all hell breaks loose and ends up with all that gang war. So it's a similar kind of idea to that and the fact that Batman always has doomsday scenarios on like what happens, <laughs> if, <laughs> yes. what happens if Superman goes rogue, what happens if Green Lantern goes rogue, you know, so he has a way of bringing everybody down. Do you know um, what I 
I read an article once that every video game character effectively boils down to Batman in the Arkham games with things like detective vision and grapple. And maybe yeah. we can extend that to television narratives as well. But <laughs> yeah. Most of them can boil down to a Batman narrative somewhere in there. <laughs> well, maybe we can, you know how, how uh, South Park did an episode about the fact that Simpsons had done everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, it sort of, maybe you can have that with dramas like, you know, Batman did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure. So, yeah but i know i I thought that that sounds like quite an interesting premise for a, for a show so basically they they will have a a new disaster each week to you know every few which, episodes which, to present it, it'll be interesting because they'll have written these disasters they'll know or that you think they'd know the sort of patterns that they're going to follow yeah so how they're going to then try to stop, stop them, them. Is, yeah. you know, it's quite interesting yeah, the cast includes, this is only a pilot, by the way, it's not gone to series yeah. yet, but the cast also includes, so it's Claire Holt, who is played uh, Rebecca in, in the originals and Vampire Diaries, good old Jack Davenport, uh, <laughs> from Coupling and Smash and Flash Forward and Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and you might not know the name, but you'll know the face when you see it, that guy. Uh, he's playing... Ah, it's him, he's, the guy yeah. with the face. <laughs> he's playing uh, Warren, who is a famous action writer who's creative skulls were put to up to dreaming the doomsday scenarios so uh, yeah you can bet that's probably quite an arrogant character he plays that quite well mm. rachel laverne who is from under the dome plays Faye, who's deputy director of homeland security who landed with the task of bringing the team back together Tay i Dick. hope she's not uh, i hope she's not the woman in um suicide squad because that was that was a bad role no 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 she's not i don't think that was bad <laughs> <laughs> make it make her a good director of something yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Tay Diggs, who was in Empire and Murder in the first place. Dr. Davis, another former member of the Doomsday Project, who's now an engineer and architect, but was formerly the head of FEMA. And Dan Bird, who was in uh, Cougar Town and Heroes, who plays a Nate Silver-like character, who is the founder of the New Oracle, a site that predicts the outcomes of political events and sports and stock trading yeah so it does have that um sort of i don't know if it's um legends of tomorrow smack where there's these people who do different things that come together in a sort of you know there's there's almost an avengers quality to it yeah no i know i know what you mean there is people with very different skills come together to you know yeah i mean it seems a bit like um yeah i i I think a sort of avengers feel to it i guess you are right yeah and this sort of idea of the being a doomsday thing that that is is sort of happening each week i quite like as well i think you know i I think it's it's got potential but yeah it's it's coming to well it's a pilot for abc so uh, we'll have to see whether it goes anywhere it's got quite strong people behind it it's got pilots written by one of the guys behind Justified and somebody uh, behind a show called The Good Neighbour. But it's produced by uh, Carol Mendelson, who was one of the people behind the CSI franchise. So that's that's a fairly hefty kind of person to be to mm. be put you know behind it. So yeah, I mean I I think that's that's got some potential. Hopefully it goes okay, because I'd quite like to see that. I think it could be quite good. That's all the news for, we have for this week. Next up we have an interview. <laughs> 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This week's interview is with the composer Sage Lewis. Sage is a composer for a film called The Operator, which was one of IndieWire's set and hidden gems at uh, South by Southwest last year. It's a dark comedy about love and technology, IndieWire highlighting it as the ideal humorous mix of contemporary challenges and intimate conundrums that fit right in at South by the Southwest. Stars Martin Starr from uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, it's actually available to watch right now on Netflix as well. So uh, go, and, go and look up Operator. It looks like a really entertaining film. It's about a guy who is developing this app and ends up using his wife's voice for the uh, the app and sort Sort of starts to fall in love with the app over his wife. <laughs> so it's, but it's it's uh, Martin Starr who plays uh, Guilfoyle on uh, on Silicon Valley, and he's mm. absolutely brilliant in that. He pops up in a number of different things, but I haven't actually got watched the entire film yet. But it looks really, really good. He also wrote the score for a little interactive piece called The Surrogate, which is really interesting. It's kind of an interactive movie slash kind of art piece. It's a really lovely score that sort of helps immerse the participant to the point of view of the protagonist. Uh, user controls the story leading up uh, to sort of this dramatic climax. And that's sort of set in a future where couples will use surrogates to help them through marriage problems. But uh, we explain that a bit more in the interview so really kind of interesting there's a bit of talk about vr and uh, and about operator which you can now watch on netflix so we'll see you afterwards with highlights for next week hi sage hey, how are you i'm good thank you thank you for coming on to the podcast should we start by doing a bit of background sure well i started in music just playing piano as a kid and i was a soccer player too or a football player um, but i hurt my knees and it was like the end of the world when i was 12 or 13 years old so i basically cried for a week pure straight tears and then i sat down as i got play the piano and it like took away all of my pain and sadness of never getting to be a, uh, a soccer player again and i was like this is actually great i'll just play piano and i don't need to worry about sports because this is like better I just had that realization and I got serious about it. I put a band together. Uh, we were like a jazz, a jazz group and sort of played world music and improvised and did Coltrane's type kind of sounding stuff. And, and then didn't know what composing was, but I just had ideas and like, okay, you do this, you do that, you do that. Okay. And just sort of came up with things, gave people stuff to play and directed them. And then went to a classical conservatory, Oberlin conservatory of music, uh, which had a very rigorous academic orchestral training in, in kind of like 20th century, uh, contemporary music and, and then that was great, but it wasn't like my personal voice and, and they sort of make you learn this type of uh, music. And so yeah. it was a, it was a good training, but I still didn't really know kind of how to express myself when I was hearing, I like had some really good skills, but there was other skills I didn't have. Um, and I moved out to LA to go to school at uh, Cal arts, California Institute of the arts, yeah. which was great because it's much more kind of open and, and you kind of like stay whatever 
whatever you want. You've got all these great resources and cool people around you. There's a film school and a theater school. So I just, and a dance school. So I just was working with theater directors, choreographers, and filmmakers the whole time I was there. And then I graduated and it was like, they all, half of them stayed in LA and there was this great creative community and, and they were really talented. A lot of them are really great directors now doing interesting work. And so it's given me a good sort of base community that, um, I mean, I don't like just only work with people from there, but, um, it's a nice to have that kind of core and, and meet people through that and then get, you know, heard through that and stuff. So yeah, that was about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago when I finished school and I've just been living in LA, uh, working on, uh, uh, I, I kind of started out doing a lot more experimental stuff and kind of do, I was like interested in doing installations and kind of that and, and more performance work. And it sort of boiled yeah, yeah. down to just scoring music for digital media, whether it's like a film or, um, it's interactive or virtual reality or something, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've done some games, you've done virtual reality projects, which we'll come on to in a minute. The, the, film that you've done recently is operator um mm-hmm. which uh i i've not seen i've only seen the trailer for it but it's basically about a guy who develops a medical app which has a really rude and offensive kind of personality to it and they insist that he replaces the voice and personality with something else so he uses his wife who's a receptionist as the replacement and uh they he sort of starts collecting data for the algorithm and sort of falls in love with the algorithm as well as his wife. That's, that's, that's the basic idea. Yeah. It's great. That's, that's a really good, I'm glad you got, you took that away from the trailer because if the trailer communicated all that, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it it did. And I mean, as I say, I've only seen the trailer. It looks fantastic. I really Mm -hmm. like the look of it. It's very black mirror. I would say if you Uh know that TV show that that's it, it, screams black mirror to me which is brilliant because black mirror is an amazing show um yeah. it, it stars martin Starr, who plays uh guilfoyle on um silicon yeah. valley who's brilliant uh, in that um, yeah i'm a huge fan of his uh may whitman who was on parenthood arrested development but does quite a lot of voice acting as well which i thought was a really interesting person to yeah. pick you know um, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, I thought that was, that was really good. How did you get involved with the music for that? Well, I knew the director and writer and, uh, Logan Kibbins who, an editor and one of the producers and everything who's been working on this project for a long time. Sir Opera Prima, um, is a, a feature film. And, uh, a couple of years ago, probably at this point now, but about a year before I started, I bumped into to her on set of, a. Another director who's a mutual friend, Ian Samuels, who directed a short film called uh, Myrna, which is uh, Myrna the Monster, which was like a huge hit at Sundance and uh, South by and the year before. And um, she actually asked me if I would work on another another job that she was working on at the time. Um, but she was like, but I, but I really want you to work on my, on my feature when we get to produce it. So that was pretty that was pretty exciting. But, you know, like. It's a slow process. So the year went by and we were talking about it. And then finally they, they, they shot it in Chicago in July of 2015 and then brought it back. And, uh, we met up right away and she started giving me footage. She would just give me, I I started really early on the process earlier than most composers like to, but I just wanted, I, I knew this film would have a very compressed timeline and racing 
um, for festival deadlines and that it would be, um, it could potentially be a lot of music. So I want to get started on right away. So she just gave me like rough footage and I just started putting music to it to try to get the tone right and come up with kind of some themes, uh, and just working on broad strokes. And so she was editing it pretty rapidly and I was like one step behind her scoring it. <laughs> um, and then she got the lock cut. I think it was sometime in October late October or even early November. And at that point, like I already had a lot of music written that we were talking about and it, and it was working pretty well. So then I just, she locked in the edit and I, I locked in the score and scoring was a very like multi-phased process. So, uh, and there was a lot of, it's, there's, there's 60 minutes of music and it's a 91 minute film. Wow. So, um, it, it's a, a lot of volume in terms of music. And it wasn't going to be that much, but like, as we were working on it and figuring out how music was playing more and more of a storytelling role in the film, we just realized, oh, actually this scene could do really well with music and that scene could do music and we might as well put it here. And by the end, it sort of became a, a very traditional film score in the sense that it was almost wall-to-wall -wall music, yeah. uh, which I, I normally don't like that much music and neither does she. And I think most contemporary filmmakers don't. But for this film, it just worked. So in that sense, it's interesting. It's like an old-fashioned film score uh, because it, it has so much music, which you don't see as much today in like contemporary indie filmmaking. But it's a very, it's a very contemporary score in other ways because it's got uh, the style of music and the way music is is used is is very. Um, contemporary and, and like not like a score from the 60s or something yeah so it was a pretty interesting it was pretty interesting for me and uh they're releasing the soundtrack the orchard who is distributing the film is also releasing the soundtrack it's exciting kind of how it turned out to be sort of like a music film yeah the music's quite interesting for the movie i've heard a few tracks off it there's a lot of piano in there but there's there's strings and stuff as well you've also got um a sort of modulated voice um mm -hmm. in there as well which i thought was quite interesting you can't really make out what it's saying but it's sort of used musically kind of embedded through the 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 track as well um yeah was that you or did you have people come in and do stuff for that or is it stuff in the film uh it's our out for me when I was uh, writing the music and I just I was like okay we got to use a vocoder in this um when that kind of idea popped in my hat my head it just made so much sense because it gives it makes the music sound like it's alive or sound like it's a person or a robot yeah, yeah. Um, which is what we needed because there's sort of like two versions of this character there's the real person and then the algorithm uh, that's being just constructed it starts off with just a few like responses automatic res voice responses but then as Joe, who's played by Martin Starr, develops this virtual version of his wife and falls in love with it, he takes it to a level of sophistication where it's like a real character that he yeah. falls in love with and has his own relationship with and who this character helps him because he gets panic attacks and he's he's always tracking his emotions with data on West, with the apps and stuff <laughs> on his phone but now he's like he needs to go a step further and just create this sort of data-driven life yeah um, it's sort of like a, a frank these are just kind of like frankenstein sense where he's developing um creating this this person who's a character but you don't see the person you just hear them and so that character needs to be fleshed out and yeah. music is like the best medium to flesh out this character. So I was figuring out how to try to ex give presence to this character and express their feelings and 
that character within his head psychologically. And then it was like, a vocoder is perfect for that. So I was just kind of saying things in his placeholders. But then when we went back and redid everything in the final version, I used, they gave me all the dialogue recordings of Mae Whitman, um, right. her voiceover, and I took those and put them in. And then there was some that one, one of the writers, Sharon Green, just some dialogue. I don't remember where I got it, but I had it with hers and I put it in there. And then it was like, oh, her voice has to sort of be subliminally in here, too. So it's the writer and the actor is right. where the actual voices are, are, are coming in, which worked out perfectly. Because you hear the voiceover from the character in the actual like dialogue of the film, but then you also hear all the things she's saying in this more subliminal way to the music, like you said. Yeah. Uh, you can't really decipher what she's saying, but you hear someone coming to life and speaking. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really, I've only heard a few tracks of the soundtrack, but it's a really nice sound to it. It's got, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting idea. It's quite sort of bright and uplifting in a lot of places as well certainly the tracks i heard anyway there's a lot of piano um but you're kind of mixing into into strings and the kind of music takes a slightly darker turn when that happens which is quite yeah. nice yeah yeah it's it's fun because uh it was a film that i could really kind of geek out with the music on with sort of the electronic stuff because like normally things like using a vocoder is really fun you know for a composer but yeah. you don't really get a good opportunity or justification for doing it yeah but this film has like the justification all over it so i really got to play around with that a lot and then all all the well not all of them but a lot of the synth and electronic um instruments i i worked with a analog modular synthesis who's got like a whole wall and is just like genius scientist in his own right kind yeah. of like joe, his name was joe which was funny too because the character in the film is joe who's <laughs> in his lab creating you know yeah these crazy algorithms but then there was this guy who's a, a analog modular synthesis and he just knows how to handcraft sounds from scratch and bring in all these uh cool gear whether it's old stuff new stuff anything in between and we sat down and recreated every timbre all the electronic timbres uh, timbres with his patching you know different modules together to create it and that and so that was really fun to, to kind of really get to get to geek out with uh electronic music and then it has the acoustic score which was necessary too because i mean it's kind of like the ivr emily the robo voice that the character joe was developing it was sort of like his own midi version of his wife uh like yeah he is in like the type of sort of virtual instruments where you can create fake violins or anything really or electronic music and it's it gives you all the data and the information to sort of fake the instrument yeah and so uh and in some ways improve back more and improved and better because they can do things that real musicians can't do you can do anything with it yeah. like there's really limitations which was what he was finding with his wife he was like there's no limitations i can like take my wife but then and like fix you know perfect her and do other <laughs> things that she can't do well so. yeah the next film or the other film that you've you've been working on recently is the surrogate which is is a kind of vr movie um set in the future where people use surrogates to try and sort of save their marriage and you're taking the role of the wife who's sort of wandering around the corridors inside the house watching the husband with the surrogate wife that's yeah yeah which is a bizarre concept for a 
I think it's very kind of voyeuristic. Uh-huh. Won the South by Southwest Interactive Innovation Award for ARVR. How did you get involved with that? The director of that is uh, someone I became friends with a few years ago, and um, he he was a, a video designer for Broadway, right? And had a really great career with that, and and sort of chose to to leave it to move to LA, and still teaches video design for theater, but is really interested in in VR and and other types of emerging media. And so he started um, a VR club kind of think tank sort of where we would get together on Wednesday nights. He, he invited a few friends. We just get together and we all were interested in VR. But we didn't like know much about it. So we want to be a little more hands on with it. So uh, we would just download VR experiences and talk about them. And um, we studied Unity, the game engine software that you need to know. And we would do tutorials together. Um, We'd like drink beer and do Unity tutorials and stuff like that. (laughs) So, uh, and that went on for about four months and it was a lot of fun. It was like, okay, we got to make something. We're getting tired of just previewing and talking and um, learning stuff. And we've got a background now. So we created this one other experience, which was just kind of an assignment we did to learn and um, spent a few months working on it. It was a Korean spa fit, uh, where you just sort of go in into VR and um, you can go into these different rooms. There's like a salt room and a gold room and like a lunar room. And um, right. and there was astro- like astro- astronomical things happening in the sky with like eclipses and stuff while you're, it was really beautiful. It was sort of like a James Durrell style kind of aesthetic experience where nothing happens. It's all about yeah. not happening. And then that was done. He's like, okay, I'm going to do a real piece. So, so he kind of went full out and started developing the surrogate, which um, I think there's a lot of parallels to operator in a lot of ways in terms of like a young married couple where uh, kind of technology and sort of these new ideas are interfering in the relationship um, and, and the way our, our relationships today, is, today are, gets mediated through technology and both kind of sci-fi in different ways. So we just started like rapidly working on it really hard for about four or five months. And then that's different from filmmaking because you can always keep changing and it's sort of like a living <laughs> project. Yeah. So what are so, you, what are you doing next? Well, right now I'm scoring, uh, well, writing music for a, a Google video. Actually, it's a Google cardboard. It's like a marketing, oh, okay. a Google cardboard and an app that they have on Google expeditions. There are sort of like educational experiences for that they're putting into public schools for kids to be able to put on VR and visit, go to a powwow. This one, it takes you to a powwow on a Crow, uh, oh. Crow Indian reservation in Montana. Oh, cool. And you get to really like their kids, it focuses on kids in New York and showing how you can, how they can actually like learn more about culture and heritage uh, through VR and those types of applications. And then uh, I think I'm most excited about it, but I, I can't talk about it other than I just... <laughs> Uh, pilot for HBO, but I'm not allowed to say anything about it. Like, <laughs> That's okay. That. Yeah, no, don't worry. You <laughs> so get fired before it started. <laughs> want to talk about, but <laughs> well, that that brings me quite well onto onto the the last couple of questions because yeah, we cover a lot of TV stuff on the site uh, on the website. So our two final questions are always: What TV shows are you watching at the moment? First, uh, well, I just uh, finished the third season of Silicon Valley, um, yeah. which is great. I haven't watched the second season of uh, Mr. Robot. 
which is one of my favorite shows. I'm really uh, excited. Yeah. I watched uh, the first two episodes of um, Olive Kittridge, I think. It, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that that was really good, but I didn't... The last big thing that I really loved, Stranger Things, last thing that really got me. Um, yeah. And so with Olive Kittridge got so much uh, Emmys and, and it's gotten so many people talking about it, I think my expectations were too high because I kept thinking in the way where Stranger Things were just something happens and it's something totally crazy happens that's unexpected and it just takes this narrative into this roller coaster. Yeah. And I kept watching kind of a couple hours thinking that that was going to happen and it just didn't happen. It's like, oh, maybe this is just kind of a mood piece. It's like a nice mood piece. So yeah. I, I, I stopped that um, and maybe we'll go back to it. I've been watching some of the high maintenance the way HBO re kind of produced that. I don't really get it yet. Um, I'm curious. I want to keep watching, but it hasn't <laughs> totally gotten me. I, I kind of like the web series version of that more so far. Um, and then uh, Transparent, but I haven't done a good job of watching Transparent, like episode one, season one, all the way through. I've sort of been skipping episodes. And so yeah. I really like it, but I don't have all the deep character stuff that people have we're watching the, the re most recent season and saw every episode. Yeah. So I know I'm missing stuff, but I also like just want to watch the new stuff and not take all the time to go through. It's just yeah. so much such a time commitment, all these What's, great series. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, there's <laughs> so much good stuff at the moment. It'd be interesting yeah. if you, as you get to do more TV work, whether that starts to affect your enjoyment of shows more. Cause I've, I've talked to a lot of TV composers and they, they sort of don't do, tend to say a lot of the shows they tend to pick when I ask them what they're watching tends to be things with practically no music in them because <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. they're kind of like you know I otherwise I, I my, my composer brain turns on and I start watching things and and, yeah, and like yeah. ah you know I'm you know that's great or that's like like um yeah, I mean, I spoke to Matt Quayle a number of times who does Mr. Oh, cool. Robot, um, who's, uh -huh. it's an amazing soundtrack. But yeah, you know, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that's just like, you know, I need to just turn off, you know, when I'm watching stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. I, same thing. I just sit and I, I listen to music and not the dialogue because it's, I'm so interested in it. And especially for that show, it's such yeah. good music. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I, my very last question is if you could be involved with any TV show, um, past, present or future, which one would it be? I'd maybe take Matt Quill's job. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, I mean, his, that, that's his music and that show is my style too. I kind of like, yeah, yeah. Dark stuff, um, and dramatic stuff with a lot of depth and, complexity and like nuance and 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 the, the ability to kind of do cool electronic stuff but also have this very human kind of acoustic sound too so um yeah that's that's a pretty awesome show i i think kind of dramatic series hour-long series is yeah. would be the, the most fun for me to to score um and and something that has the narratives gives a good reason to create some type of music sound that hopefully we haven't heard before because it's asking for weird stuff. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, that's not just like a symphony orchestra is like always a dream fun thing to have at your disposal as a composer. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. It's just been done so many times. I'd be really excited to do something that just has something new happening, which also is a fun, creative and aesthetic round to explore as an artist. And it's also great because it, it gives attention to the score from audiences because there's a reason to kind of pay attention and listen to a score. Yeah. So, um, and some narratives just ask for going outside of the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, any of the shows that I watch, I would love to score. Yeah. Any of the ones that I guess I mentioned would be amazing to yeah. score. No, I, I'm Mr. Robot, I think would suit you quite well. I would have thought. <laughs> yeah. Right. I won't say anything to Mac. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Um, thank you for coming on. It's been lovely to talk to you. Good luck with, with everything. I, I hope things move forward with the HBO show as well. That could be good. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a dream come true right there. So Awesome. Talk to you soon. Cheers. All right. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. That was the interview with composer Sage Lewis. As I say, you can go on to uh, Netflix and find Operator right now. It looks really funny, so go and check it out. Next up, we have highlights for next week. So shows you should be watching out for next week. I'm not sure how many of these you've seen but uh last kingdom is arriving for a second season on bbc2 on the 16th at 9 p.m did, I, did you catch any of the first season of no this? i didn't i think i heard good things about it yeah it seems to have gone down fairly well it's not that long ago when the first season went out i think it was only november last year so that, that oh. seems to have turned around fairly quickly it's uh yeah about vikings invading the uk and i mean it's interesting because i started watching this around about the same time as i was also watching vikings the, oh, right. uh, the, the on uh, amazon as well so it's interesting to see some of the same characters from kind of two different perspectives but uh yeah that that was quite good i've i've not watched the whole thing again it was another one of those shows that i watched a few of and then kind of <laughs> yeah, didn't manage to see all of it so i need to go back and watch the rest the first season but it does look really good that's uh, Last Kingdom season 2 BBC 2 16th of March at 9pm Iron Fist as we all know uh, we were talking about earlier is uh, 17th of March at 8pm on Netflix I, yeah, going to be very interesting to see this. I am looking forward to it, but uh, yeah, the early reviews yeah, have you, been a little put, negative. You've put me off it now, Dave. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I was excited. Now I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. The, the I. I the, the reviews haven't been great, mm. but I wonder if that's just them looking for an opportunity to kick one of the shows. That's, maybe I, I don't right. know. I, I always thought Iron Fist was only re- it was either really interesting when he was Daredevil, obviously, yeah. or it was really interesting when he was with Luke Cage. So I thought they those two had a really interesting dynamic together yeah. um, in that sort of buddy comedy type thing um so I'm, I, on his own i don't know if there is a strong enough if it will be strong enough without him being oh he's just daredevil or oh he's just you know someone yeah, yeah. with a different you know of course that would be an interesting thing if if he is struggling that would be an interesting thing to do moving forward he's maybe that would be great maybe make the second season of of luke cage be a luke cage and an iron fist Yes, that would so, be good. Just so don't do a second season of either of them, but just yeah. do season two quotes of Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Yeah. Well, it's pa- pa- the, the, the comic's called Power Man and Iron Fist, so I don't know if they could get away with calling it that or maybe, maybe. Yeah, that that would be that would be interesting. See what happens with that. 
so yeah, that's coming on the 17th of March to Netflix. Happen Leonard season two of that coming to Amazon Prime, which I I haven't actually got around to watching yet. It's uh, James Perfroy is the uh, one of the main leads in it. So based on some novels by a cult author called uh, Joe Lansdale, it's airing first on Amazon Prime. It airs on AMC after that as well. AMC UK for the five people that have AMC UK. Uh, <laughs> for um, you guys. <laughs> season one of that is coming to AMC on the 17th of March at 9pm. But uh, season two and season one, I think, he's probably still on there so season two comes to amazon prime on the 17th of march as well shades of blue season two of that j-lo as an nypd police detective this apparently has been quite popular i watched a few episodes of it and then fell away from it but <laughs> yeah i mean it, it seemed well made enough but it is sort of just another police procedural, as far as I could tell. Sure. But uh, Shades of Blue Season 2, coming to Sky Living on the 20th of March at 9pm. The Catch, which is one of the Shondaland series, that's coming to Sky Living on the 21st of March at 10pm. That's about a fraud investigator who is apparently becomes the victim of, of fraud by a fiancé. So that seems to be doing fairly well. It's uh, on its second season. Not as well as some of the other Shondaland shows, though, like scandal Grey's Anatomy how to get away with murder so mm, yeah I don't, I don't know but that's if you want to watch that it's on the 21st of March at uh, on Sky Living and Into the Badlands season 2 of that which was a really fun series it's uh, that's on uh, Amazon Prime on the 21st of March set in a sort of apocalyptic future where it's a sort of martial arts guy and a boy embark on this kind of road journey which uh, it's a bit Mad Max but yeah oh, great, that sounds good it's sort of Mad Max martial art really good fun so yeah season two of that Into the Badlands that lands on the 21st of March on Amazon Prime so unless you've got anything else you want to add in any uh, no just uh, tell your friends about the podcast yes tell your friends about the podcast and try uh, some new podcasts yes but make sure you still but, listen yeah. to this one <laughs> still, do, still do this one but try other ones as well uh, yes yeah you can always go out and try if you're a fan of um, of The Walking Dead or if you're a fan of 24 you can uh, you can always go over to entertainmenttalk.org and find both those over there which me and Matt also do so Matt who occasionally does this show so, uh, so yeah there's some more podcasts you can go and listen to as for us if you want to find more information throughout the week on air dates and all that sort of stuff you can find the website at geektown.co.uk you can get in touch with your questions and comments on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave a message on the website post you can find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown or on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye 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 everyone Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.